Welcome to the Torah Journey Podcast. My name is Rabbi Ken Brodkin, and I've been a community rabbi for over 15 years. During that time, I've learned that the wisdom of Judaism is powerful, but it's not always easy to understand. Our weekly podcast will enrich your journey and give you practical advice about how to apply the wisdom of Judaism to your life. We'll offer you insights based on the Parsha, current events, the Jewish year, and more. This is the Torah Journey Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, wonderful to be with you. Here is a question. What do you want out of life? This is perhaps the most basic thing for us to consider, and yet it's possible for us to spend our lives focused on things that are not core to our values or even our desires. A big issue that people face is that we get very influenced by the society around us, even down to what we think we want. I'll give you an example. If you live in San Francisco, you're much more likely to be concerned about raising capital for your business and valuation and seeing that as a sign of success. If you live in Los Angeles, on the other hand, you're more likely to be concerned about which car you drive and which celebrities you know. This idea, how our desires get influenced by the people around us, is the subject of a book called Wanting by Luke Burgess. Getting to that core of what we want versus what people are telling us we should want is a critical issue in life, and it also touches upon the topic of who we decide to spend our time with. In today's podcast, we're going to take the time to consider this issue. How can we make sure that we focus our lives and our time on the things that we really and truly want? One of the important layers of Safer Bracious is this idea of contrasting different characters. Typically, we think about Avraham and Lot, Yaakov and Esav, or Yosef and Yehuda. But sometimes there are comparisons that get overlooked. Take, for example, Lot and Eliezer. Avram's nephew Lot and a servant Eliezer don't seem to have all that much in common or all that much to do with one another. But each life really does shed light on the other one. Lot and Eliezer are both associates of Avraham. One imitates Avraham and then disassociates from him. And the other is a disciple who helps to bring Avraham's vision to the world. Lot is kind of a strange deal. On the one hand, he separates himself from Avraham, going to live in Sodom, a place that represents the very opposite values of Avraham. And yet on the surface, Lot tries to bring some of Avraham's ways with him wherever he does go. Just like Avram pleaded with the Malachim to enter his tent for a meal for Chesed, Lot also beseeched the Malachim, but he clearly missed the mark as he was ready to sell his daughters out to potential abusers. And the picture gets even worse, because fleeing from the burning city of Sodom, Lot begs the Malachim, the angels, that he should not go onto the mountain, pented bakani haravamati, lest the evil attach itself unto me and I die. Now, according to Rashi, Lot's concern was that he did not want to go to the mountain to live with Avraham, lest he be seen unfavorably in God's eyes in comparison with the righteous Avraham. So Lot is a guy who lives in Uncle Avraham's shadow, trying in a vague way to imitate him and simultaneously to run away. He's willing to move to Sin City in spite of the negative impact that it will have on him. But then we have Eliezer, the servant of Avraham. And this associate is a trusted servant who mirrors the behaviors and the thoughts of Avraham. 
the Torah comments that Eliezer led the camels, the camels of his master, for they were recognizably the camels of his master. How so? Just as Avraham muzzled the animals to avoid theft, to avoid their eating other food of other people, so too Eliezer muzzles the animals to avoid theft. And his whole identity is wrapped up in his master as he declares, Evid Avraham Anochi, I am the servant of Avraham. In fact, Eliezer is not even noted by name in our Parsha Chayisara, though he is referred to by name in Lech Lecha. He seems here to have no identity other than Avraham. And our rabbis also view Eliezer in the most positive of lights. They teach us that we need to learn from the actions of this servant. Our rabbis grappled with the great detail that the Torah does provide regarding the conversations that Eliezer has in our Parsha. As Rashi says, The conversations of the servants of the Avot, the patriarchs, were greater than the Torah of the later generations. Why does the Torah record the words of Eliezer in such detail? The answer is that Eliezer absorbed and reflected the values of his master. And we, in turn, absorb who Avraham was from Eliezer and from Eliezer's deep belief in God's providence, the belief that Hashem would lead him to the place where he would find that right wife for Yitzchak. And so we study Eliezer's life, and by doing so, we study Avraham's approach to life. And our rabbis teach us an amazing thing here, because there's nothing more powerful in life than real-life actions and examples. We gain so much from learning the life of Avraham and his disciples. On some level, what we gain from the servant of Avraham is even greater than what we gain from the laws of the later generations. Eliezer brings Rivka back to his master's home, a woman who walks in the ways of Avraham, Rivka, together with Yitzchak, continues to build the tent of Sarah and Avraham that was begun in the previous generation. And so the lives of Sarah and Avraham continue through these generations. We find here several layers that relate to this idea that we're influenced by those around us. Lot was influenced by Avraham, but wanted to flee from that. And ironically, he wanted to stay far from Avraham, believing that his association with the tzaddik would cause him to be judged harshly. But a look at Eliezer teaches us the opposite. If you hang out with tzaddikim, they impact you positively. And so it's a net gain. This theme of the impact of our surroundings is also found in Avram's choice for a daughter-in-law. On the one hand, Avram wanted the first Jewish mother to be a woman from his family and a woman of chesed and morals. And on the other hand, Avram was not willing to return Yitzchak to the land of his Avraham's birth. Of course, there's numerous times in the Torah where the impact of our surroundings theme is raised. Even as early as Migdal Bavel, the people of Bavel wanted to keep everyone together in that one locale so people would not deviate from the local views, according to the opinion of the Nitzivra of Naftali Tzvi Yehuda Berlin. On a personal note, I was thinking about this in my own personal life. For a long time, I've been learning in the mornings by myself at the show where I work. And this week, I started to walk next door to the Portland Kolel and learn along with the rabbis because 
even though I can't stay there for the whole Seder that they learn, just being there really does have an impact on me and on my thoughts. The Rambam was also very sensitive to this idea. Listen to what the Rambam says in the sixth chapter of Hilkos Deus. Derech Briaso Shola Adam, Lios Nimshach Bedeosov, Uvamasov, Achareov, Vichaverov. It is the nature of how a human is created to be drawn in his opinions after his friends and associates, and to behave like the people of his locale. Therefore, a person needs to join together with Sadiqim and to dwell with the sages always in order that he should learn from their deeds and he should distance himself from the wicked who walk in darkness so that he should not learn from their deeds. But what if you don't live near any tzaddikim? What if you live in a place where people do not walk in a good path? And then the Rambam says you should move to a city by all means where there are tzaddikim who walk in a good derech. But what if you know of no such city? What if every locale that you know of is filled with people on a bad path, such as in our times, says the Rambam referring to his own generation? Then you should isolate yourself in your own home, suggests the Rambam. But what if the place is so evil that the authorities will not allow you to do this? Then the Rambam advises, you should go out into the wilderness and live in the caves in the woods. Now these seem like extreme ideas, so it is hard to know how to apply them in our times. But regardless, we see how deeply the Rambam believed in this. We're impacted by people around us, and so we have to make a very conscious choice about who we spend time with. But there does seem to be a contradiction here. On the one hand, we cannot help the fact that we're influenced by our surroundings. On the other hand, we're told to pick up and leave our city to find a better place where there are tzaddikim and sages that we can hang out with. But if we're already under the influence of our surroundings, how will we know what is up and what is down, what is right? How will we recognize who a tzaddik is and who is not? And yet, we are taught to look for the tzaddikim so what emerges from this picture is that even though we are influenced by our surroundings, that does not stop us from getting to our core identity. Even under the influence, as it were, we can get to a deeper part of ourselves and identify what we really want. In the book Wanting, author Luke Burgess distinguishes between two types of desire. One form of desire is where you want something because it's happening around you. And this is called thin desire. It's thin, impermanent, unessential to who you are. But then there are desires that drive you personally in a deeper way. And that's called thick desire. It doesn't depend on other people, but it's what you really identify with. Imagine if some people are building up a following on social media and you see what's happening and suddenly feel like you've got to have a following on social media. Well, that would be a thin desire. As you reflect on it some more, you realize, you know, I'm not so interested in spending my time on this. And believe me, plenty of people in history have had very meaningful, wonderful lives without a social media following. Someone was telling me the other week that even though both of her siblings have massive social media followings, it's not something that she aspires to even slightly. Now, on the other hand, you might be a person who is trying to get some sort of message out there. Maybe social media is important for that in your path. And then the desire to build a following might be a thicker desire, or at least coming from a thicker desire. But what the Rambam implies is that even when we're under the impact of thin desires, even when we're under the influence of surrounding society, 
we can still identify within ourselves who we really are and what we really want. So how do we do that? How do we, if we're influenced, what steps can we take to get more in touch with our deeper wants? And one aspect of this work is simply realizing that we do get swayed. If we start feeling things like jealousy or angst towards other people, we need to stop and take the time to ask ourselves what we really want and why we have these feelings. Taking that time to ask these questions helps us to rise above the problem. If you see someone has something and you feel a want for that, ask yourself, is this a good want? Is it coming from something that is true and fundamental for my long-term life goals? Another big question we can ask ourselves is, who do we want to be like? Think about people in your life locally or beyond and ask yourself, who do I respect? Whose life do I want to mirror in one way or another? Rabbeinu Yona teaches us that wanting to emulate Torah scholars is a deeper indication that a person deep down is a tzaddik. If there's someone who's influencing you, you might want to first ask yourself if you truly want that person's path in life. A very big problem with Lot was that he looked at Avram and Sodom, and he chose Sodom. And then, even in the face of Sodom burning to the ground, Lot still did not go back to Avraham. He developed the erroneous view that being with Avraham would be a net negative. He would be perceived as less in God's eyes. And in reality, had he chosen to be with Avraham, he would have become a different and a greater person. What this teaches us is that sometimes we have more choice than we think. There's numerous ways in our modern world that we can connect with people who support our true, thick desires and values. And above all, you have a great power in your own life, at your own hands, in determining what your true, everlasting values and desires are. So as you take the necessary steps to live that life, your path will become a beautiful reflection of Avram Avinu and of all the tzaddikim that you admire. It's been great to be with you today. I'm Rabbi Ken Brodkin, and this is the Torah Journey Podcast.